0: Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV drop in watch free
1: are you having a crappy week well hang in there I'm your co-host Zach Muhammad and with me as always is my very dear friend Jacob Redman Jacob how's it going
0: I am doing great, but there is something a little bit off. Uh, you know, we're here again, recording, hang in there, but, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that, uh, the Zach impression might fool everyone. Navi, that was actually really good. <laughs> uh, when, no. no, when you said that you were going to do this, I was like, okay, like this is going to just be like very bad. And, and at, at, uh, at points, I think if I closed my eyes, I would have just thought it was Zach.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I have that effect, I guess. I've been working on it for like the past 10 seconds, so.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's that's pretty quick. I feel like, you know, give it a few more seconds and uh, you'd be an absolute master. But yes, we are back this week. We are not joined with Zach. It is me, Jacob, your normal co-host, and we are joined by special guest, Fifth Wheel Navi. You know her from coming up third place in the Renap thir- third wheel competition but first in all of your hearts uh and you know her from the what you in podcast the Phineas and Ferb rewatch with Davis comma Will and Felipe Navi how are you doing
1: I'm doing really well um well I mean as well as you can be during these times I mean I'm still yeah. Stuck in but yeah it's been yeah. fun what about you what have you been up to
0: uh, I've been good. You know, it was snowing like crazy in Chicago, you know, more weather talk. We have to talk mm-hmm. weather. It was snowing like yeah. crazy. And then it finally has stopped where you can like walk outside. So that's nice. I went on a walk to the lake. Uh, I, you know, I've gotten my outdoor time. I would say I'm, I'm doing uh pretty well. All things expected. How's the weather where you are?
1: It's actually warmed up. I remember, uh, past couple of weeks, I've been complaining about a cold snap where it was like minus 50 Celsius. I don't know what that converts to in Fahrenheit but it, it was very-, uh,
0: very freezing that is the answer like way too cold to have to convert it
1: <laughs> yeah but today it's actually minus one it's been the warmest warmest it's been in like almost a month now so I'm really excited I went on a walk this morning it was great the, the air was crisp it was beautiful it was great
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, there you go. That is the obligatory weather talk, but that is not what you are here for. You are here for one of the best episodes in all of Avatar history and on the 16th anniversary of the, se- the series coming out. Uh, I did not know that we were celebrating an anniversary today, but I woke up to a tag from Dan Sininski telling me that it was the 16th anniversary of Avatar. And here we are talking about one of the best episodes. I'm super yeah. excited to get into this one.
1: Yeah, I didn't know about it either until Felipe uh, texted me, like, a link of being like, it's the 16th anniversary. I'm like, ooh, timing. Perfect.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's crazy. Like, I remember, you know, watching this as a kid and, and loving it. And here I am 16 years later, still loving the show. Navi, how did you get into Avatar?
1: Um, So I sort of jumped on the bandwagon, like, partway through season one. I believe it was... Uh, um. Which episode was it? I think it was the Jet episode, actually, that mm. I first started watching the show. And then from there, I was hooked. I watched it regularly from then on. Um, I've done a couple of or a few rewatches of it. I rewatched it when Korra was announced. I'm like, oh, I should like rewatch it just to like have it fresh in memory. And then I watched Cora. Uh, Well, we can maybe get into that later. Um, And then I rewatched it again in college. And now I'm rewatching it with uh, everyone in there. So, yeah, it's been fun going back and re-experiencing all this and remembering, oh, yeah, this is a really good show.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is funny. You know, like, you think back on it and you're like, yeah, of course, it's one of my favorite childhood shows. But even watching it now, I'm like, I still enjoy this. And I'm very glad, uh, you know, starting to rewatch. It could be like... You know, you're in season two. You're like, yeah, it doesn't hold up. But I, I really think it does. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan, clearly, or else I wouldn't be here.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Navi, what type of binder would you be?
1: Okay, so I knew you would ask me this question. <laughs> so I did a lot of research. I took okay. a lot of online personality quizzes. Um, I ended up getting two results and all the questions the quizzes, which I think kind of worked out in my favor, I got Waterbender and Earthbender, which makes sense because I think their fighting styles are like the most defensive and I kind of relate to that a lot. Uh, But I guess for variety's sake, I know you're a Firebender. I know Zach's an Earthbender, so I guess I'll say I'm a Waterbender just for, so you have a little bit of variety. So, you know. yeah. Plus, I love the Swamp people. The Swamp tribe people are (laughs) my people. They're great. I would happily be a Swamp tribe waterbender.
0: That's great. Yeah. You know, I never think uh, waterbender. The first thing that never comes to my mind is like swamp person. Uh, But, you know, if you're (laughs) out here repping the swamp people, then uh, more power to you. More power to you. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, waterbender might be underrepresented in terms of us getting them on the pod. So uh, I'm glad that that you're here to uh, fill that out. But there you go. Anything else before we jump into just an amazing episode?
1: No, I'm ready to talk toff.
0: Talk toff. Let's talk it. Uh, Well, we open up uh, on this town. This town looks, uh, you know, just like kind of boring Earth City town, but they have like a nice outdoor market, or at least they have one bag uh, because Sokka is looking at it. He's going back and forth, not deciding whether he wants to buy it or not. You know, he's classic hemming and hawing, not sure if he wants it. He finally decides he's going to get it. And I just have to say, uh, yeah, th- this is not how I shop. I'm much more of a yes or no, immediate. I'm not trying to spend any time on it. What, what about you?
1: Yeah, so I'm the type of person who does research beforehand. So I'll look it up online. Mm. I'll check if they have my size. And then I'll, like, I'll go in into the mall, get the thing, and then GTFO. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't typically hem and haul that much. I'm like, okay, this is what I want. Okay, got it. But it was funny seeing Sokka yeah. deliberate on that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like if uh, anyone else was doing this, Sokka would just be all over their case. He would be like, no, come on, we're wasting time. We gotta go. But of course, since it's him, he, uh, gives himself the benefit of the doubt here. I like, I like to know that you're an efficient shopper though, that I, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, then well. they are, they are uh, walking around and they have this random person on the street uh, hawking earthbending classes for a bunch of kids. This is not something that I thought that you could necessarily like learn. I thought like there were some people in the universe that like weren't able to learn it. So it's not exactly like karate or like Taekwondo where like anyone can just show up and do it. Uh, So I was pretty surprised here to see that that uh, like this guy is just standing on the street being like, oh, hey, you want to learn how to earthbend? That was not how I thought it worked.
1: Yeah, it did come across like he was like kind of scamming the people, but we later learned out it is legit. But it was very odd just going up to a bunch of random kids being like, hey, want to earthbend? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah especially because they're clearly not from around there like uh, you can look at their clothes like they're not trying to blend in uh, yeah I'd be surprised if, if uh, you know you'd have much success I've run into some of these people before who have like been like oh hey want to do this the craziest one was uh, one time I had uh, I was in I forget what city but someone like was like oh hey want to see this magic act and I was like sure and he took me to an alleyway and just showed me like two tricks and I was like this is odd like Please That's do this so in the pissy. street next time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very odd. Uh, not a fan. Uh, have, have you ever been hawked to, to buy anything like that?
1: Well, uh, oftentimes, like in the mall, there's always like those people. They're like, "Hey, try on this uh, lotion samples we have." And then if they mm. get you in their grasp, they like talk for hours and hours and like basically like peer pressure you into like buying the skincare. <laughs> so I always try to like avoid nope. them whenever possible.
0: No, that's, uh, that's very fair. Uh, so, but we see Aang not, uh, not as successful as you are. Uh, Aang decides to go to this class. Uh, it's, uh, it's Aang who's like already a young kid and then a bunch of much, much younger kids yeah. who all look very into it. Uh, they look like, you know, this might be lesson number one for Aang, but these kids are like diehard earthbending, uh, academy, I guess students they're probably students yeah I think
1: that's fair to call them students yeah but they just like launch him off with like a rock bending thing and just throw that boulder in his face like in an instant I'm like wow these kids are pretty powerful
0: yeah yeah it seems like these kids are like the same power as like the random earthbender warriors that you would run across like in the like on the front lines like these kids are lifting rocks and attacking Aang as if it's like no big deal like send these kids to the front line they're ready
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, this also seems like a terrible sales tactic. Like we have Ang go to class and just get beat up on his first day. Like there's no like quick win for him. Like I would not sign up for more classes. What about you?
1: No, I wouldn't. I've taken martial arts classes before and oh. like they were never like this. So
0: What sort of martial arts did you do?
1: Uh I my brother and I both ended up doing Taekwondo. I think I made it to like blue belt and then i was like i'm i i don't like physical activity <laughs> that i like so. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah hopefully no one uh, threw rocks at you i feel like that's a really quick way to dissuade you from coming back
1: no i uh, mean the one good part was that i really got a chance to like beat people up like that was my favorite part but like we didn't do it all that often we just beat up like the little like things that they had those mannequins or whatever so
0: Yeah. Not as appealing. Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely not as fun. Well, Oh, sorry. What
1: did you end up doing arts at all? Or did you talk about this? before?
0: So I, I did do Taekwondo for a little bit. I, I was like really young when I did it. So I don't feel like Mm -hmm. I got a lot out of it. Like I was so young that like, yes, I was progressing through the belts, but like, I don't know. At the end of the day, I was still like a nine-year-old. Like uh, what could I possibly do? Um so yeah, I did it. I was I was uh you know never a huge fan.
1: <laughs> With that magician in the alleyway, you could have like beat him up if he like tried something. <laughs> Oof,
0: I don't know. I'm uh, I'm pretty weak and very scared of confrontation. So I think that I would be uh I would be wiped out. Um just like uh the these students here that are talking about Boulder at uh, Earth Rumble Six. Uh they're talking about this like there's you know this uh like WWE type fight. And Aang is very interested. He wants to learn about it. But the kid is not very interested. Uh, he gives a classic middle school or elementary school line where he's like, oh, it's on Nunya, Nunya Business. Uh Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, Saka uh, loves it too. because knows.
0: <laughs> Yeah, Saka loves this one. I feel like the Aunt Wu Aunt Who joke, which like I will stump for till the day I die, is way better than that. And Saka like no sells that one. So I feel like uh, yeah, Saka's Saka's gone down in maturity throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent But I still kind of and- love him. In spite of that, so
0: <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, he's like he's like the lovable kid who's just like gonna keep being more and more annoying, but you gotta love him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So here we have Katara, who's very much determined. She's like, all right, well, uh, I will get this information. She comes back. She really seems like, uh, you know, she got her way in some sort of like I don't know flirtatious way. But then we immediately cut to two kids who are frozen together uh, in the alley, probably a magician right behind them, honestly, uh, right there about <laughs> yeah. to get them out. And uh, yeah, they're uh, able to go to the Earth Rumble 6. Uh, what do you think about Katara here pulling a fast one on the kids?
1: Uh, well, it's very effective, that's for sure. She like had them like at the side, so they're like hanging like perpendicular to the like ground. It seemed a bit much, but uh, those kids were kind of assholes, <laughs> holes so they deserved it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I do think it is a bit much. Uh, you know, like, I don't think, like, these kids are, like, just generic brats. Like, this has to be pretty traumatizing to be frozen to, like, the side of a wall. Like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder how long
0: um,
1: it took for, like, ice to melt until they could, well, like, get out.
0: That's actually a good point because we see Katara freeze a few more people like earlier. Um, but always then like there's someone else there to get them out. So like she freezes Zuko on the ship in like early in season one. But then there's like a firebender uh, who's able to like, get out the other firebenders. Like there's no one here to help him and there's no fire. So these people are probably stuck for a long time. They probably missed Earth Rumble 6.
1: Yeah. How unfortunate to miss Earth Rumble 6, eh?
0: I know thing it really is uh quite sad uh but then we jump to the uh the location earth rumble 6 we see this like uh competition hall uh it looks exactly like like a wwe ring with a big um earth platform standing in the middle and arena seats all the way around uh spectators are everywhere around but no one is in the front row uh, this is not a joke that I expect when this happens, but I find it funny every time. So Aang and the rest of the group sits in the front row and then rocks immediately gets sent next to him. They're like, oh I guess that's why no one no one sits here. And I always yeah. but
1: then they sit there anyway. <laughs> like they just stay there.
0: Right. <laughs> like like it's there's enough time. You could keep walking up the stairs. Like it's not that hard. Uh yeah, that's that is a great point. Uh mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. Um, but then we get the leader of the ring who says like the, you know, classic, like, uh, welcome to the earth rumble. And Shin Fu is ready to kick this off. Uh, yeah. Are you into wrestling at all?
1: No, my main exposure to wrestling uh, are when the uh, like wrestlers transition to acting. Uh, though I will say that I don't know if I should say this. Okay, whatever. I'm going to say. So uh, <laughs> yeah. back in like 2015, there was like this random like flash game that's free on the internet, and it was called John Cena's Sexy High School Adventure, where you play as John Cena <laughs> going to John Cena High School and you date other John Cenas.
0: Wait, uh, I I'm so sorry. I have to uh, I have to have you explain more. So it's called John Cena High School. You're playing as John John Cena. Cena.
1: John Cena Uh, Sexy High School Adventure. You play as John Cena because I guess his I guess one of his nickname is like Fucco, like F-U-C-C-O or something like that. His name is Fucco San in the thing, and then you go to John Cena High School and you date other John Cena's. There's nerd John Cena. His name is Jonathan, and he has a pocket protector. There's Johnny, (laughs) who's, like, the punk bully. There's John Senpai, who's, like, the boy next door, who's, like, I guess the canonical love interest. And if you're into something spicy, there's a a student-teacher romance with Cena sensei. Uh, And that's
0: that... (laughs) That is, uh quite the story i did not think that this is where it was going i thought you were gonna tell me like oh yeah i played this game where like you know uh like you wrestled or like something like that and i was like oh yeah you know like uh that's very reasonable but <laughs> oh, I wow say,
1: there is wrestling and like successful like wrestles or pins are like you bang someone so
0: okay Okay. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, probably <laughs> the weirdest game I've been uh, I've heard before. H- have you uh, considered pitching the T Quartet of the different John Cena's for us? Like we can say which John Cena is a firebender.
1: Oh Not yeah, bad. I would totally be down for that. I played it like five years ago or something. Like it was just as soon as like I graduated high school into like university, and that's when I sure. played it. And it was. I will say. The game was so successful. This free, like, Flash game that was made on, like, Microsoft Paint was so successful. They made a sequel called John Cena's Sexy High School Adventure 2, where you go in time and save other John Cenas in the John Cena timeline. That's also a thing.
0: Sorry, so it's multiverse John Cenas now?
1: Yeah, you go wow. in time, you go see, like, caveman John Cena... There's like okay. a female John Cena in the Free Future named Jane. Uh, a very controversial one is you go back to like World War Two and confront Hitler John Cena. That's also a thing. Oh
0: my god! Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say um, official ang in their game, but I'm not sure we can get behind that no. one.
1: Yeah, no. and uh, we have like this Doc Brown John Cena who like died. Guides you through the timelines. It's very bizarre. Anyway, back on track. What's your experience with the WWE Jacob?
0: I would say that most of my experience does not come from uh, John Cena Sexy High School. I believe is the name of this game. It comes from the uh, Rob and Akiva Royal Rumble. I would say that is the most okay. wrestling exposure I have. Um,
1: that too. Yeah. That too.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was like, I had a game on, I believe like the PlayStation two that was WWE, but then I wasn't supposed to play it and then it broke and I was too embarrassed to like say that I had it and like wanted to get a new one. Cause I wasn't technically supposed to have it. It was like one of those like gray areas. Like my mom wasn't happy I had it, but she wasn't gonna like actively take it away. So I just like had to yeah. give up and I think I only got a week out of it before I scratched the disc. So Really, I could have been a huge wrestling fan, but I didn't get into John Cena Sexy High School and my other game broke. So here we are. Um, I know. But, you know, I understand it uh, well enough to understand what's happening here. Uh, the rules are pretty simple. As Shin Fu says, the goal is to throw one person out of the ring. We start off with the boulder. Uh, and the big bad hippo, the boulder is a classic character. Seriously. One of the best characters that we see Mm -hmm. in this show voiced by Mick Foley, a great, great, uh, character here. Uh, you know, obviously playing on the rock, making fun of him a lot. Uh, he's classic wrestler, like super boastful. I absolutely love him. What are your thoughts on the boulder?
1: Yeah, the Boulder's great. I love that he talks in the third person. He's like, "The Boulder will do this." And I'm like, "You tell him."
0: Yeah. Uh that that definitely is what he does. He, you know, he really knows how to hype it up for the crowd. He's able to really make it seem like a real match. Uh, and it does seem like the Boulder is like a pretty good earthbender. So, like he's facing this hippo. How how would you describe the hippo?
1: Well, he's like a very uh, large man, missing a lot of teeth. I think he only has like what four teeth left in his mouth yeah, because he like
0: four, four teeth max. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it turns um, out because he eats rocks. Like that's his thing. I guess is that he eats rocks.
0: Yeah, yeah, which, which is like it is a choice like it it's not surprising that he does not have uh that many teeth but it also seems like the hippo is playing a little dirty here so as the match gets start uh gets started The hippo just, like, jumps up and down and causes the entire arena to shift such that, like, the place, the earth plane that they're standing on is, like, rocking back and forth. And it, like, makes it really hard uh, to, you know, stay up on the platform. The boulder's, like, about to fall off, but then uh, gets a part of the ring to, like, prop himself up and then throw it at him. Uh, And then I believe that is what uh, the boulder uses to, uh, like, knock him out of the ring. The boulder wins. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I guess
1: the boulder is the face and everyone else is the heel, I guess, in that aspect. Yeah,
0: but you would think that someone so annoying as the boulder would, like, be the heel. Or at least, like, sometimes would be because, like, the boulder is pretty insufferable. Uh, Yeah, but not as insufferable as the next person that comes up, which is Fire Nation Man. Fire Nation man is just full-on lame. Uh, It's like an overweight, as uh, Zach would say, a portly chap who's uh, just like carrying a Fire Nation flag, singing a song in a Russian accent, which I did not think was like Fire Nation at all. But the song is terrible. Uh, Like, I know we have a tier list of songs. Like, Navi, this has to be the worst song we've heard, right? Do you agree with me here?
1: It is the worst song. I will say, though, I think he... It's like based off like the Russian wrestlers from back in the day, back when like the Cold War was still a thing. And like a lot of people would like make the Russian wrestler like a heel and like they would put on a fake accent. They were actually Americans, but like they would pretend to be Russians. I learned that from season one of GLOW. I haven't revisited GLOW at all, but that's, that's the one thing I picked up on. So I think it's sort of a play on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense to me because like I've never connected uh, Russia with the Fire Nation uh, and it seems like this person's just here to get destroyed. We actually find out later that he is an earthbender. Like later in the episode, he like sends some rocks uh, at the like Team Avatar's way. So like Mm -hmm. clearly this is just like the person who drew the short end of the stick. He couldn't come up with a better character and he uh, and he becomes the Fire Nation uh, Fire Nation man. He's he's made quick work of. Like he's able yeah. to get out really quickly. Not much really to say there in that fight.
1: No, not really. Though Sokka's really into it. He's like booing with everyone. <laughs> he's like tearing the boulder on. He's like invested, man.
0: Yeah, it only took Sokka like what five minutes to just become a die hard boulder stand. Like he would be playing boulder sexy high school all day. <laughs>
1: yeah. Going through <laughs> boulder timeline to save it good times.
0: Exactly yeah like uh, Sok would be all over that but yeah it seems like uh, that you know the boulder is able to make really quick work of Fire Nation man and it seems like Aang is already like just over the boulder like Katara I think even before this fight Katara is like mm-hmm. oh like do you think the boulder should be your teacher and Aang's like no he he doesn't listen he just listens to his big muscles like I'm not trying to you know have him be my teacher very good call uh yeah. Yeah. the the series would be so much worse if the boulder goes along with him the entire rest of the way.
1: It would be kind of funny though, because he would just talk in the third person, the boulder says we <laughs> should do this. The boulder yeah. is advising the Avatar to do that.
0: Yeah, that's uh you know, I think it would be good for maybe like one more episode, but after that I'm just ready for him to leave. One thing that I forgot to point out was that there is a badger mole Zamboni. uh, (laughs) After one of the fights, a badger mole comes up and, like, wipes away the excess rock. And I have to say, the badger mole, who we saw, can be, like, this epic earthbender. Like, they taught people how to earthbend. They're super cool. Is being treated as a Zamboni? Like, that's so lame.
1: It is lame. And honestly, borderline disrespectful. Like, they taught you... The earth bending, like your whole culture is uh revolves around, and you, you let him do cleanup duty. What exactly?
0: It would be like if you made oppa uh like sweep a rug or something like that. Like, no, have more respect. Um, but yeah, so we get a little bit more earth rumble six here, we get a few quick ones. Uh, We see like a montage as the boulders just like wrecking the lower tier characters. We see a guy who uh, I had to look it up. His name is the gopher, um, Mm -hmm. but he kind of looks like the undertaker from Incredibles. Uh, He's just like has a bunch of masks. He like stays underground and then throws earth at people. Um, I don't have many thoughts on on the gopher. Do you?
1: No, not really.
0: Yeah. And, And then we see the gecko. The gecko is just, like, a random scrawny kid with a mask, Uh, and this one makes the least sense. Like, he should become Fire Nation man, because, like, I don't know what makes him a gecko other than the fact that he has, like, a mask on.
1: Yeah, well, maybe because, like, he moves around like a gecko, like, he's very, like, fidgety in his movements. Maybe that's Mm. why.
0: Hmm all right I, I can buy that i it's at least uh better. I just feel like I want my wrestlers to weigh more than like fifty five pounds soaking wet uh I, I just like I don't know there's 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 Have nothing there for me
1: concepts. yeah
0: yeah he he would not make it in John Cena sexy high school at all.
1: No, um, he would definitely be a villain
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh but then we get to the uh moment that everyone has been waiting for. Uh, As Shen Fu says, it's the boulder versus the champ, the blind bandit. And here we see a little girl uh, raise a championship belt above her head as everyone is cheering along. People are stoked, um, except for Sokka. Sokka is like, uh, you know, egging on the boulder on this side. Whose side would you be on here?
1: Oh, the blind bandit, a hundred percent. Like they they right? come across as being the underdog because they're so tiny compared to the boulder. So yeah. I would well maybe because I already know who the blind bandit is, spoiler alert, it's tough. So maybe that's why I would refer them, but other than yeah. that, yeah.
0: Yeah, but even still, like, I think it's just, m- like, more exciting to root for the blind bandit. Like, uh, you know, like, um, I mean, Katara points out, like, oh, like, there's no way she actually is blind. Like, it has to be, like, a shick or something. But, uh, like, it pretty, it's pretty clear she's blind. Like, even from the front row, apparently, they can see, like, she doesn't have vision. And, like, it does seem like, uh, you know, it'd be a pretty lame thing to be like, oh, she's blind, but she's not. Like, that, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan if that's fake. But then the boulder starts egging her on and I I believe the line is he's like, the boulder feels conflicted about fighting a young blind girl. And uh, Toph fires back real quick. Uh, I forget what she says exactly. Do you remember?
1: Uh, I think she... I don't remember exactly, but she's basically like oh, are you scared to like fight me or something? And he's like, the boulder is no longer conflicted. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she says something back and then he's like, Oh, well, I'm no longer scared to beat you. And she then, uh, you know, very witty. I feel like, you know, she has this aspect of wrestling down. She's like, Okay, whenever you're ready, the pebble, uh, which really has got to tilt her <laughs> back a little bit. Uh, then she laughs and the laugh triggers back to Aang. Who remembers the laugh from the swamp episode where he heard the same laugh in the flying boar. And he knows that that is the girl that should be teaching him how to, uh, how to earth bend. One thing that I have to say. So I love Toph a lot. Uh, Toph is great. Toph is a terrible wrestler in terms of making this a fair fight. Uh, they had to make this fight slow mo to even be interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, what we see is the boulder who starts to make a move. Uh, We then cut to Toph's point of view and Toph can see like uh, a bunch of circles going away um, from like where she is and she can like see where the boulder is. And then uh, we see that, you know, she is able to understand where he is. She makes him do the full splits as he yells out. And then she immediately wrecks him, knocks him out of the ring and immediately wins. This is terrible wrestling, like the fight's over in two seconds. How is this interesting?
1: Yeah, it is very boring, though I will say from like the episode perspective, it was really cool getting to see like the demonstration of how she sort of uses her earth bending and how she's able to fight as well as she does through the feeling of the earth. Like that was a really cool demonstration. So I'll give it that.
0: Yeah, no, that that is that is totally true. Uh, how how would you describe how she sees? Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, it seems like she feels the vibrations through her feet, which is why a lot of her she is barefooted, And a lot of her spenders uh, looking back on it are usually barefooted so they can feel the vibrations in the earth. So that's sort of how she's able to, quote unquote, see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like echolocation, but for her feet. And she's able to like kind of get a scope of the surrounding. She goes into it a bit more uh, later on. But all we know for right now is that she is one powerful earthbender, uh, probably like the most powerful earthbender we've seen, like more so even than Boomy, where she's able to just knock out the boulder within seconds. Then uh, the next thing we see is the ringleader walks up and he says, I'm offering a sack of gold pieces to anyone who can defeat the blind bandit. No one immediately rises to challenge. And uh, I think he's thinking like, OK, we're home free. But that is when our good old trusty Aang decides to jump in the ring himself.
1: Yeah. Though he doesn't want to actually fight her. She just, he just wants the opportunity to finally get a chance to chat with her and see if she'll be interested in wanting to be his earthbending teacher. So
0: Yeah, this cannot possibly be the best way to ask. Like it does seem like a bit odd to be like, "Oh hey, I'm going to fight you, but hey, also like while we're fighting, can we just like have a quick convo on the side?" Like she does have a job to do and she does like make some jokes at his expense here. Um, where like she's like trying to egg him on and show the wrestling. I feel like Aang, you know, I gave Toph some uh like some heat a few minutes ago. I feel like Ang would be even worse at wrestling. I don't think he'd be a good showman at all.
1: No, he'd be be like, oh, I don't know, I'm just doing my earth bending thing and like like do his earth bending circle and just go <laughs> around the thing for like five minutes as he's like he'd just be trying to evade everyone and then be like, okay, I'm done, and then like. Whisk him all away with his airbending. That's how I can Ex-
0: see it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's that is exactly what you'd be getting. And uh yeah, I feel like Aang is just like not the type of personality you want up in the ring, like being that uh being that personality. But then we have, uh, you know, even his close friend Sokka starts to turn on him and is like, no, don't don't be talking like more fighting. And uh, Katara scolds him for yelling at him. Uh, but then we see that as like, uh, the blind bandit is able to like try to attack Ang, uh, Aang jumps up in the air and instead of landing as you would if you like you know abided by the rules of gravity, uh, he's able to float a little bit longer. and Toph is like, ooh, like you're the fancy dancer because you're not like uh, you're not always on your feet. That's a pretty good name. Uh, you know she may not be the best personality for wrestling, but she sure can come up with some good names.
1: Yeah, and we'll see that later on throughout the series. That Toph's nicknames are a one plus, as I like to call it. Yes,
0: she really hits the nail on the head. Have you ever played the game Quiplash? It's like a Jackbox game.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I feel like I feel like Toph would just like destroy at Quiplash. Like, I feel like that would be like the thing that she would be best at. Like, I know she's an incredible earthbender, but like she's so quick and witty. I feel like she would just destroy that game. Like, I would always be voting for her answers.
1: Yeah, same.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then what we see is, uh, you know, back to Toph and Aang fighting here. Uh, Toph sends a blast at him, uh, at Aang, and Aang jumps up and then sends an airwave back at Toph. Toph, you know, being blind and all, has no way of being able to see the airwave. And Toph just gets knocked out of the ring, like really, com- uh, like really quickly, has no chance. And she gets upset and just decides to leave uh, yeah, it, it looks like Aang won the belt. He won the belt and he won the money, Uh, which makes Sokka really happy.
1: Yeah, he like is grabbing the belt, grabbing the sack of money, whereas Aang is like trying to call back to Toph and Toph is just like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Like now's not the time. And then like just closes the, I guess, I don't know, corridor to the dressing room or something in his face.
0: <laughs> with yeah, his or- maybe. Or- Maybe like the most hidden uh, corridor ever, because it's like an earth, it's like an earth wall. And then you like lower the wall and then walk into the corridor. Like that's, that's airtight. You know, we've seen some like fire doors and some airbending doors, but the earth doors are the most hidden. You just can't even see where they are. No. Um, then the next thing we see is, well, first off, we have Sokka, who's very happy that he bought the bag because the bag matches the belt. So thank goodness for that. Uh, I was really on pins and needles for that one. But we go back to the Earthbending Academy where Aang is talking to the students uh, and trying to find out more information about who this blind bandit is. The students explain that the blind bandit just shows up to fight and then dips. Uh, no one knows who the blind bandit is. And this is, like, confusing to me. Uh, so, like, we'll we'll get into this in a second, but it seems like the Beifong family doesn't want people to know that they have a blind daughter. But how does the Beifong family not, like, put two and two together and be like, okay, there's no blind person in the community, but we have a blind daughter, so it's probably her that's a blind bandit.
1: Yeah, I don't get it either. My guess is that they, like, is that that wrestling is just so beneath them that they're not even paying attention to that. That's my theory. Mm. Or they think it's someone from like out of town that comes in and just does it for Mm, fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that actually both of your answers are good. Like probably they do think that wrestling is beneath them. So they don't pay attention. And then I'm sure that they would explain it away. Um, But the students here are helpful. Uh, Eng says something about um, like a girl and a flying boar and the student uh, who's there at the academy is like, oh, well, the flying boar is a symbol of the Beifong family. I think this is like a nice symbol for Toph's family because like, you know, a blind girl can earth bend when pigs fly like that sort of joke there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the the male students like, oh, yeah, these people are the richest in town, like probably the richest in like everywhere. Uh, and Aang is like, okay, well, like, we'll go check it out. Uh, and this is where we get one of the most iconic gifts of all time, or at least, uh, in my opinion, we get, uh, Katara saying, I've got my eye on you. And as Sokka's walking out, he says, like, water tribe
1: Hi. with that belt
0: on. <laughs> yeah. Is this, uh, Very- is this something that you've used?
1: Yes, I've used it before. It's a great gif. Um, Sokka's great. This was actually surprisingly a really good soccer episode, even though he was like not really like in the episode like front and center, so to speak. But he was like a nice side character in this one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, he's not like that present where you're like annoyed by him, but he makes some good jokes. He's like way into the boulder, which is funny. Very much on brand for him. I agree. It's a, it's a pretty good soccer episode. Then we cut back to the boulder in Chin-Fu, and they're saying that the uh, that it, there must be a fix-in. Like, there's no way that this is how it went. Like, there was no rock that was sent at her. Uh, it's got to be, like, some something up. Uh, here's where Chin-Fu gets really upset and decides to, like, pound a wall. And as the wall, like, uh, I guess as he hits the wall, rocks fall, and they fall on his feet. I do not understand, like, how he could not seen this coming or how he could have not been the earth out of his out of his way. seems, like, easily fixable. Yeah,
1: it's dumb, because, like, we see later on in the episode, in the fight, like, he's a really good earthbender as well, like, not as great as Toph, but, like, he seems to know what he's doing, so the fact that he couldn't even, like, figure that out was very bizarre, but maybe that was, like, a lapse in judgment, considering he was very angry about this supposed fix on the match.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just blinds him to it. Um, The next thing we see is we go back to this beautiful uh, beautiful like land. Uh, There's like a shot of the entire uh, like I guess house that they live in. There's like three different gardens. There's like a pond. There's gazebos. There's like you know all kinds of nice stuff. Quite the house for the Beifong family. And as Aang shows up we hear the first time that Toph says uh, twinkle toes as she says like what are you doing here? And I think that this is one of the best nicknames uh that we get in the series. I love it. Uh yeah. yeah, very apt.
1: I also like how uh the the gang just like trespass on the Beifong uh property. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as opposed it is I that... suppose you know just going up to the front door being like, "Hey, can we talk to your daughter?" Which I mean, I guess they do later, but you know, I just yeah. found it very that they just decided, hey, we'll just trespass. This will definitely work out in our favor.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a very bold strategy. They just decide, like, okay, we're just going to walk in. Uh, no need to, like, you know, check if anyone's around. Like, maybe make sure the guards aren't looking. Like, they just go in and uh, Toph is like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I think she first asked, like, how did you find me? And Aang explains, like, all of his stuff and uh, then they're like, oh, hey, like you actually need to teach Aang how to earth bend because, like, we need to win the war. And Toff's like, look, like, I'm just going to call the guards. Like, I don't have to deal with you. And these guards ought to be fired. Like, th- this is the richest family in the entire world, apparently. Uh, they have a blind daughter who can get lost in, like, all sorts of pools or ponds, uh, like, if she was not, like, you know, able to see with her feet. And it seems like these guards who are like, oh, you know, you're not supposed to be wandering the grounds without supervision. Who's supposed to be supervising them? Like, that's you. You were the one who failed.
1: Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, how do you lose a, a 12-year-old blind girl? Like, is she going to have I, gone of the estate? I'm just saying.
0: <sighs> yeah, that uh, that annoyed me. Like, these guards ought to get fired, ought to get uh, kicked out immediately. Um, Then we cut to uh, these two very pretentious parents sitting on uh, like a very nice sofa, drinking some tea. They're inquiring about Toph's uh, earthbending lessons. And the earthbending teacher from before is saying that she's at the beginner level just doing breathing exercises. Uh, Like far from the truth. Uh, This man has no clue what's going on. But just then, they're interrupted by someone who, uh, like, one of the, I guess, like, wait staff or someone who's like, oh, you have a visitor. And the person's like, uh, the dad's, like, so enraged. He's like, who thinks that they can come to my house and not tell me they're coming? Like, this is absurd. And the guy's like, "Uh, it's the avatar? And that's just like, that's, yeah, that's it. Like, you can't say anything about that anymore.
1: No. Uh, Makes sense to let the avatar in. He is a very important dude, supposedly. In this universe.
0: Yep, yeah, that's a that's a good explanation for it. Uh, like, quote, he's a very important dude. I feel like that should go on like his CV or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like,
1: like uh, any monuments, like uh, he gets a statue, and underneath is just very important dude.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like uh, in in Legend of Korra, when they're in like the city, there's like uh, uh, a statue of Aang and it just says very important, dude. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure the Statue of Liberty in the U.S. has like some sort of inscription on it. I think that Uh we should go deface it to say very important, dude. Yeah, it probably has
1: something like in Latin and it can instead say very important lady.
0: There we go. Yeah. Is there Latin for very important lady? I'm sure there is. Right. Yeah, we, we yeah. I feel like if all you make it in Latin,
1: listeners can uh, <laughs> help you figure that
0: out. <laughs> okay. Yes, we will. Uh, we will get all of the many Latin-speaking listeners to help us out. I feel like if you put it in Latin, no one would notice. Like, no one knows how to speak Latin anyway, and like mm-hmm. anyone who does would just be like, "eh." Let's like hide it. Like, the, yeah. no one needs to know it says very important lady. Um. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a good plan. It's kind of a. Yeah, it's gonna be a lo- uh, a lot of work, but I'm sure we can we can make it happen. Um, then we get to the a dinner scene, and this is a very fun scene. Uh, this this one makes me laugh a lot. It's the mm-hmm. Bay Fongs and Team Avatar all sitting around a table, eating some roast duck and tea. Uncle Iroh would be shaking in his boots right now, just uh, so upset he missed this. Um, what we see is the dad saying like, "Oh, it's too hot for her. Like, Toph's not able to eat it." And Aang just being, like, I guess showing off is like, oh, like, let me, like, cool it down for it. And he sends a little tornado uh, of air. That's, like, uh, that's kind of annoying. Um, I don't know. I-, I was not a fan of this. What What did you think? Am I off base here?
1: Uh, no, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm sure Toph is able to, like, blow on her tea just fine. Like, I don't even think she needs, like, another attendant to do that. But her parents, as we know, are very protective of her. And so they feel that everything has to be done for her. But I can uh, see it being annoying that, oh, like this avatar guy uh, is just doing this for me. Okay, sure.
0: Yeah. Like if I'm in top's position, I'm just like, come on. Like really? Like I can blow on my tea myself. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That, that that seems like one of the easiest things that you could do. Uh, but yeah. Then uh, Aang is saying like, oh yeah. Like my plan is to defeat the Fire Lord, but I can't do it without an earthbending teacher and uh, yeah, Toph looks very upset, and we get the suggestion that Master Yu, who uh, really did a terrible job in Lesson 1, should be the teacher. How do you think Aang would do if Master Yu was his teacher instead?
1: Well, he'd have to do like 10 years of breathing exercises and formations, but then again he doesn't have like the protective parents that Toph does, so I don't know, maybe he would let him do more uh, intermediate stuff, but... I don't know. See how oblivious Master Yu is with Toph, like not being able to see her potential. Like, I don't think he would make a gr- for a great teacher for Aang.
0: Yeah, I mean, King Bumi says that the teacher's supposed to listen and wait. He sure does wait. He waits on the lessons very well. Uh, I'm not sure how much he's got the listening part. Mm -hmm. um but then yeah so ang is saying like oh yeah if she's been learning for so long then uh must be a great teacher and that's when Toph sends a little rock under the table and uh hits ang in the face this is this is hilarious i don't know what on earth the other members of the beifong family were thinking like why did ang just face plant into his food but very funny knowing what we know
1: yeah, it was really funny. Maybe they're just like, oh, it's the avatar. They they have their quirks, I guess.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> what what a weird quirk. Like, could you imagine if, like, uh, I was, like, having you over for dinner and I'm, like, telling all my friends, like, oh, yeah, like, it's so exciting. Like, Navi's coming for dinner. One weird quirk she has is that she slams <laughs> her face in her food. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I do not.
1: It lets him enjoy the flavors, savors in the meal. Uh, how else yeah. are you supposed to enjoy a meal if you can't face faceplant in it?
0: That's true. You know, get all of your senses involved. Uh, you know, touch, touch is an under underused sense in terms of eating. So why not faceplant into it? Um, yeah, so so then we see, uh, you know, they're talking about, like, more of her earthbending. Uh, her dad is, like, very much ableist here. He's like, oh, because she's blind, she'll never be a true master. Aang's like, no, I think she'll be pretty good. And uh then Toph sends another little rock which causes him to uh I believe hit his head on the back of the table or something like that. Yeah. And like yeah, it's just it's so awkward. Uh I yeah, I can't possibly imagine what's going on all of their heads here.
1: Yeah, it was very uh I don't know, would cringe be the right word? Like it was very just like uh <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it, it is very cringe. And it's even worse after Aang sneezes on purpose uh, and, like, sends food all across the room. <laughs> like, I get you're the Avatar, but that's just disrespectful. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, uh, the Bifons take it pretty well. I mean, um, Toff's mom's like, okay, so I guess we're having dessert in the living room then. <laughs> <And> then- yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like they do take it very well, especially for being such an uptight rich family. Like I felt like if I went over to dinner at an uptight rich family's house and I started like sneezing and putting my face in the food, like they would just tell me to leave immediately. And I guess mm-hmm. the avatar's got like a longer leash than I do, but uh yeah, like very odd behavior. Uh it's got to be hard to explain. Yeah. One sad thing is that Momo does not get to pig out on this feast. Uh, this is probably the first feast in the entire series where Momo doesn't get to chow down on the food.
1: Yeah, well, even the Avatar, I guess, can't bring his pet lemur thing to dinner with him, no matter how many protests. So, oh, no. well, maybe next time, Momo.
0: Well, okay, quick quick question. Let's say you're hosting a dinner party, and I tell <laughs> I give you two options. The first option is that I'm going to bring like my pet dog, in that will eat. Or the second option is that I'm going to put my face in the food and then throw food all over your house. Uh, Navi, which one would you be picking?
1: Uh, the first one. <laughs> the
0: first one, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd have to say I'd agree with you there. Yeah, like, I, I agree. Like, maybe expected value is like, you know, don't have the animal come in, but like, Aang makes such a big mess that I would much rather have Momo there because Momo would go up and clean up all the food and eat it all.
1: Yeah, that's my main reason. Like, yeah, I'm allergic to dogs, but at least I don't have to, like, clean up after them, you know? Like, there's some oh. sort of expectation that the owner will, like, take care of that aspect.
0: So you're you're allergic to dogs, and you'd still rather the dog than me faceplant. I mean, I guess I would, too, but... Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: I'm allergic to Man. dogs and cats, and I'd rather have them both in my apartment. I <laughs> can clean up after Aang
0: wow okay so sorry this has nothing to do with avatar but so when people ask you like are you a dog person or a cat person what do you say you're just like none
1: yeah i'm usually like i'm pretty agnostic i mean i guess thinking about it i'd rather have a dog because at least they're like kind of fun like you can play around with them whereas cats are kind of like the the i don't know i guess the stereotype is is that they're kind of standoffish and you can't really do Mm -hmm. much with them um so yeah, I guess I'd say I'm a dog person, but I I don't actually have a dog in this fight.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> mm, that, that was good. I, I Sokka would love that joke. Sokka would literally write that joke down in his like uh notepad and like do it for stand-up later. That that yeah. was uh that was quite good. Uh anyway, the next thing we see is uh, we get the, uh, yeah, so we see Aang and the rest of Team Avatar. They're all, like, sleeping in what appears to be, like, a guest house or something like that. And Toph shows up, and Toph's like, hey, like, uh, let me, like, talk to you. Uh, You know, we finally get to see a little bit more about what Toph, uh, like, understands and, like, her perspective. She says that even though she was born blind, she still can see. She uses seeing with her feet. She feels the vibrations in the earth. And she can see like everything, and then she points to like ants that are like in the distance, and it seems like her parents like just don't get what's going on. Like even though like you know her parents, I'm sure mean well. Like I'm sure they don't like actively want her to like suffer or anything, but her parents just like don't understand that she's actually not helpless, uh, and that's why like she became the blind bandit is so that she could you know decide to roam the world. Aang asked a question here, which I think is so out of touch. He's like, then why do you stay here if you're not happy? Like, because she's 10? Like, what are you yeah. talking about?
1: She's like 12 like, years oh, old. She's a like, minor. <laughs> like, she She's still independent. Like, her parents still have to take care of her if this were like, if we were going by real world rules here. I know that sounds yeah. a little bit different, but still.
0: I I mean like Aang's like, oh then like why are you here? Like I get that you ran away from your family like pretty early on, Aang, but like that didn't work out very well for you. You were a hundred years in an iceberg. Like I don't know. Like the th- that question just seems so out of touch.
1: It does. And it just kind of goes to show that, like, I don't know, as like the Avatar, you do have like a just a different sense of what's going on, like as opposed to like people who aren't a part of that world, so to speak.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, that's fair. I feel like uh, now that you said part of your world, I really want Aang to just sing like part of your world from Little Mermaid but like (laughs) all Avatar parody stuff.
1: Uh, Uh,
0: I feel like that'd be great. Um, But then what we see is like they're walking around and Toph realizes that they're being ambushed and just as she realizes and they try to run away, the under Ground gopher person, uh, like pops up and throws some rocks at them. Some metal cages get uh, on top of their head and the hippo jumps and puts the cages in the ground by stomping on them, uh, as they, you know, circle the wagon and, uh, you know, I guess lock them up.
1: Yeah, Um, and this is very odd, because they have to realize that this is like the Fong family estate. So like they're effectively kidnapping, like two people from that estate, or at least people that are well connected, or, you know, from an outside perspective, someone who's like well connected with the Fong family who are very rich. So I don't know, the plan just seemed kind of off for me in that aspect. Like, could not you have thought of something better than that?
0: Yeah, it does seem like if the Beifong family is, like, so important, you know, has so much money, that they wouldn't just, like, let this go, and, like, even after they get Toph back, they're not going to be like, okay, well, dope, like, we have, you know, we have our daughter, and yeah, sure, we're down 500 gold pieces, but whatever, like, no no retribution here. Like, they ought to, like, do something about it, Uh and I find this incredibly surprising. Plus, they know the blind bandit's identity, so they could just, like... Tell the blind bandit, like, hey, like, we're going to out you as the blind bandit. And, like, now you have her on your side. Like, they did not play this well at all.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, another point against the Beifong's security, there's no guard around at all. Like, oh my god! They probably thought that Toph was like, oh, like it's bedtime. She's probably in her bed. But you should still have like a patrol like rotation going around in your backyard estate so that no one trespasses. This is like the second time in like a very short span of time that someone just trespassed through the backyard. It's ridiculous.
0: You make... You make a great point. You know, the Baifeng family has money apparently beyond belief. And I think the only way they're able to have as much money is that they spend zero (laughs) dollars on extra security. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You make a great point. Like these people are attacked in their own courtyard. Like, it's not like they were like walking around unsupervised. Like they are in a place that's supposed to be guarded and they're still got them. Honestly, terrible. like, uh, I don't even know who I'm more mad at, honestly. The yeah. Bei Fongs for having no security, or like Chin Fu for just being an absolute abysmal mob boss.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're both a hot mess. Aye, aye. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeesh. Uh, anyway, so the next morning, we see that everyone uh, discovers what happens. There's a note with a dagger attached. Uh, you know, Katara reads a note that says, like, oh, if you ever want to see your daughter again, you need to bring, like, 500 gold pieces to this arena. And uh, it's signed by Shin Fu and the Boulder, and Sokka is stoked because he has the Boulder's autograph. Now, do you think the rest of the group signed it? Like, is this, like, a whole cast, or is it just, like, the main two stars?
1: I do think it's just from the main, too, because otherwise wouldn't it be like, a guitar be like, oh, and it's also signed by, like, this person and I think the Fire Lord guy? I don't know. The <laughs> hard to read.
0: Yeah, like, I think it would be a lot funnier if it's like, oh, it's signed by Shin Fu and the Boulder and Fire Nation guy and Gecko and the uh, what's his name? Gopher. Like, if yeah. yeah, if it's signed by all of them, I think it would, the, the, would be even funnier. It's like, you know, uh, like I did musicals in high school and like we would always go around like signing some posters like the whole cast signed them. Like I, w- I want my ransom notes to be signed by the entire cast. Like everyone's <laughs> yeah. going to sign them.
1: Yeah, that would have been um, great. But maybe it would have devalued it for Sokka who only really wanted the Boulders autograph.
0: That's true. That's a good point. I guess uh, I can't argue with that one so much. And and maybe just the Fire Nation man is really savvy. He's like I'm not going to put my name on this incriminating piece of evidence. Like you're not going to prove that I was here. Like please do not get me involved. Uh yeah. Either way, I think that there's uh you know, there's good reason for the Fire Nation man to st- stay out of this one. Mhm. Um then what we do is uh we yeah, So, like, they're, like, gonna get ready to go get Toph or whatever. We go back to the arena with the, uh, venue of Earth Rumble 6, and Toph is taunting him. Even though she's up there in a cage, she's still trying to fight him. She's like, uh, like, oh, yeah, you think you're better than me? Like, why don't you come here so I can snap that grin off your face? Uh, Chinfu is not happy about it. He is not smiling at all. Um... I guess, uh, you know, it's probably hard to read expressions when you're blind and you couldn't even see out of the cage anyway.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of funny, because b- before we cut to this scene, uh, uh, um, Toph's mom's like, oh, she's probably scared, and then it cuts to Toph being like, ah, <laughs> screw you! It's great. Yeah, it's quintessential Toph.
0: Yeah, and that that is what makes Toph so fun. It's like, you know, moments where she should be scared, there's like six earthbenders who all want to, like, take her out or, like, Uh, Not take her out, like beat her up. uh, And they're all like upset with her, but she's just like ready to take them all on. And I love it. Um, But then these people show up with their money. Uh, They throw all of the gold pieces to uh, to them. By the way, 500 gold pieces can really fit into a small bag. Uh, That was Mm -hmm. surprising.
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting the bag to be as small as it was.
0: Yeah, I was expecting, like, the briefcases, like, you'd have, like, the armored car. Uh, Of course, then they'd have to have security, so that's probably no-
1: Yeah, they can splurge on that. They (laughs) promise can't do that.
0: Exactly. Uh, But then Katara asks, like, are you going to free Aang? And this is the most surprising thing. So we've already said that is a terrible mob boss, but here he says that the Fire Nation will pay a big price for, for the Avatar. This means that an Earth Kingdom person, like a random person from the Earth Kingdom, is going to turn over the Avatar to the nation that they are at war with. The Earth Nation and the Fire Nation are fighting a war, and he's like, no, I'm just going to turn him into the other side. Like, that should be punishable by death.
1: It should be, but Jacob, times are tough. They're at war. I mean, he got really mad about Toph and Ang splitting the gold.
0: (sighs) I, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I this makes no sense like the Bayfongs must be into, into some sketchy stuff like business wise like they must be profiting off of this war because they're not even going to try to save the avatar and stop the war like they probably asked at a dinner party when is the war going to be over so they can like short the stock right before it happens like all of the senators but when with coronavirus like these people are I, I hate them all I'm, I'm quite sad right now okay. um <laughs> But yeah, so, like, this is a terrible thing. I really think that this should be punishable. I was watching this episode with some people in the Discord, uh, the Posher Recaps Discord, and no one agreed with me. No one thought that this should be, like, punishable by death for betraying the Earth Nation. And I, uh, yeah. Well, maybe I not punishable have, by
1: death, but at least a very long, like, prison sentence.
0: Yeah. At Honestly, the, pr- the prisons that the Earth Kingdom Nation have look pretty bad, or sorry, the Fire Nation Kingdom have look pretty bad, like, uh, uh-huh. I would not want to be there. Um, but yeah, so then what we see is, uh, you know, the they're going to go and they're not going to be able to get Aang. And so Katara is like, okay, like we can't get them without you uh, to Toph. Like we need an earthbender. We need you. And the dad's like, no, like she can't do anything. She's too blind. She can't help at all. And Toph's like, no, I can. Uh, she goes up to the arena and she's like, I beat you before and I will beat you again. That alone should uh scare people off. Like everyone already should just be like, I'm out. Like I'm not gonna fight these people.
1: Yeah. I guess they thought that, oh, since we're all fighting in a group as opposed to doing a one on one thing, maybe we can take her on, but it's still a very, you know, very yeah. precarious situation for them.
0: Yeah, and she's, like, already the reigning champ by Earth Rumble 6, which means, like, she not only won Earth Rumble 6, well, until Aang beat her, but she also had to have at least won Earth Rumble 5. Like, she at least beat them all once before that we hadn't seen. So she's got a pretty good track record. Um, but the Boulder's not very happy with this, and uh, she just decides to fight them all. And then uh, instead of having, like, Katara or Sokka help, Toss, like, no, 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 like, wait, like, I'm going to take all of them, which, like, that's one of the most badass moves ever, like, you have two people who are willing to help, and she's like, no, nah, I'm good, like, I'll, I I got this.
1: Yeah, and I think in a way, it was sort of to, like, show her dad, like, hey, I can do this on my own, like, I'm not as helpless as you think I am, since she's like, well, I mean, uh, I'm gonna, you know, out myself anyway, so might as well go whole hog.
0: True, you know why? Like uh, why not be super impressive if you're gonna go for it? Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, what we see is Toph's first move in order to fight them all one on one is to create a massive dust cloud uh, so that no one's able to see. The first person she sees is good old Fire Nation man who we see uh, is able to attack with uh, earthbending. She makes really quick work of him uh sends like a wave of earth uh and she like puts part of the ring up and then just like knocks him right out uh and he falls down that like just great fight like uh nothing nothing to say there she does perfect
1: yeah Um, it's a very well done uh maneuver i guess uh yeah nothing else to really say on that end
0: yeah. Uh then we cut to Katara and Sokka trying to get Aang out of the metal cage. They're not as lucky as uh Toph is fighting these people. They're not able to get him free. It actually seems like Sokka's just like trying to beat it with a rock. This seems like a clear move for Katara to use her water in her pouch to freeze and then like break the cage. Like I, like I don't know. Am I am I wrong here?
1: No, I mean she could have maybe made like an ice pick or something and try to like undo the lock that way.
0: Yeah like something like uh at least like don't don't just like keep hitting it right like insanity is like uh the definition's like doing the same thing over and over again like sock is just like hitting it with a rock like i don't know uh not very successful there uh but back to toff who's just wrecking people next we see the gecko he's like he weighs less than toff does so obviously <laughs> this is going to be quick work <laughs> um
1: that's very funny
0: uh, the, the gecko throws two rocks. She dodges both of them and then quickly flies him out of the ring. Then we see, uh, the Fire Nation man who's finally gotten up after just getting absolutely beaten down just to have the gecko land right on top of him. Toph is not only good at fighting, she's very accurate and able to like make all of these things come together. Big fan.
1: Yeah, me too. Is it must be that seismic sort of, uh, echo thing
0: that you talked about that Jesus you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh i actually can't make sense of it in terms of like how her being blind makes that happen but hey i'm here for it the yeah. next person we see is the undertaker gra- groundhog or no gopher uh sorry the gopher who like you know sends a rock he doesn't even look like he's that into it like i think he knows he's going to get beat because as soon as he does, he sends something, and he like doesn't seem to attack again, and he just like gets knocked out. Of course, he lands right on top of Fire Nation man and the Gecko. Uh, Sok is finally able to break the cage free, um, and then the next thing we see is the Boulder and the Hippo ready to attack Toph. Everyone looks really worried, but one of the other people flies in. I don't actually know this person's name, um, that's like the other person flies in. And uh, as they're standing there, Toph rotates the center of the arena such that the person flying in knocks out everyone and ejects all of them onto the rest of the people who are defeated. That was uh, quite the move.
1: It was. This whole fight in general is like a really good showcase as to what Toph can do and like what her potential is later on in the series. It's a good intro to her.
0: I agree. Yeah. Like it's very one-sided fights. Like there's nothing here that's like that interesting. She pretty much just knocks them out with one move each. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is cool that we get to see like Toph show like, you know, this is how powerful I am. Like I can do all of these things. Like, you know, I have like all of these earthbending powers that don't even like, I guess we haven't seen them before. Like she makes a dust cloud for example. She's like turning the ring. Like she's using all of these things very inventively. And I think it's really fun to watch her fight here.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um the last
0: thing that we the last person that she fights is Toph is fighting the ringleader, and I just have to say I heard some neck cracks here and I was all for it. Uh, you uh know, for a brief moment for a brief moment I was ready to uh cheer on Shinfu,
1: Yeah, I'm not about the cracks cracking of the knuckles or like any body part really. Like it just uh, it, the sound is just uh so uh <laughs>
0: Okay. That's that's uh too bad Th- this was easily my favorite part of the episode here is uh him cracking his neck but did you well, I like, guess...
1: did you like go back and save the sound and have it just stay on
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know rog was kind enough to crack his neck or uh, crack his fingers so often when i was on the podcast with him that uh i i do have that t- uh that place the time marked so i've gone back uh, and listened to it just <laughs> Mostly because it's funny, but also like it is satisfying. He had some really nice, uh, like loud cracks, but we're not here to talk about that. I actually did have like, you know, a 15 minute segment planned, like ranking all of the cracks.
1: Uh, yeah, you would have been on your own on that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, what we see is, uh, you know, Shinfu actually has a pretty close attack. He sends like a bunch of earth uh, her way. She comes up with this earth shield, which is like um, like two different uh, things like on each side of her, which like completely cover her. So she's not able to get hit and she almost gets hits in the face. She barely dodges it. But then, of course, she's able to turn back. And as he's touching with his hand, she's able to send a rock right back and knock him right out of the ring, absolutely destroying him. The earthbending teacher on the sideline is super excited to see this. The earthbending teacher is like, wow, she's the greatest I've ever seen. And this is great. I'm very happy that this earthbending teacher is so excited and ready to change his mind. Uh, Her dad, not so much.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that later. I have thoughts on that whole thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but what what are your thoughts on this fight here? It's a, a pretty long sequence, but I think it was super entertaining. Like, I felt like it flew by for me.
1: Yeah, it it totally was one sided in Toph's favor. Uh, maybe towards the end, it was kind of iffy, but she seemed to have it under control. But yeah, it was, like I said before, it's it was a great showcase of Toph's skill and seeing what she's able, what she's already accomplished skill wise and see how that further develops as the series goes on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um uh, and, and it's like really cool to just like, you know, see her. She's like not the person that you'd expect to be like a great earthbender, but she is like super competent. She's doing earthbending much more creatively than we see like the earthbending grunts do it. Uh and like yeah, it's just it's fun to see some like new type of earthbending, and then plus we get Toth a character, and that's like just bar none the best. Um so I definitely a great introduction episode for her here. We cut back going to the uh, heavily unsecured Beifong uh, house where Toph is talking to her parents. Essentially, she says, "Like I know that you see me as helpless. You think that because I'm blind, I can't do anything. But I actually love being an earthbender and I really want to do it. I'm sorry I kept a secret, but I hope that you can accept me. I thought that this was great. Like I don't know what more she could have said. I think she's like saying it succinctly. She's to the point. She's saying like, uh, you know, you mean the best for me, but I need more, and the dad just does not, uh, does not deliver here.
1: Yeah, I, I understand you're always, like, parents, generally speaking, are generally, you know, they want the best for their kids, but you shouldn't, like, stifle them, and is I guess it's a, a bit different situation, considering Toph is blind, but just because she's blind doesn't mean that she isn't capable of, you know, do excelling at these things, and she's clearly yeah. you've shown that she's excelled well. and I think a part of the reason why she excels well is because she's, like, sort of making up for that you know, uh, perceived uh, disability that she has. So, um, I, I, I don't understand what more she could have done. Like, she's proven that she's fully capable of taking care of herself, and her parents are just not about it. It's kind of sad, actually.
0: Yeah, it, it is. Like, before this, like, maybe you could just say, like, the dad didn't know. Like, he wasn't able to understand, uh, like, I guess what she was capable of. So maybe he was like erring on the cautious side. Maybe he was scared. But now that he's seen it, like she's clearly a special earthbender. Like she's got power beyond belief. And even, even he says, like, you're going to be cared for and guarded 24 hours a day. That's huge for him. He hates guards. So that's <laughs> like, yeah. He
1: has to spend all that money on security
0: exactly like sheesh like oh my gosh that's gonna be it's really gonna hurt him um, but yeah it does seem like you know he even when after seeing how powerful Toph is is still like scared of what could happen and this is where I like no longer think that he like has her best interest in mind and he's just acting selfishly here yeah. um, the, the rest of the gang is getting ready to leave they were just gonna like leave her and uh, I guess never see her again was their plan um but as they're like going away we see Toph running towards him in the distance everyone's surprised like oh what are you doing here and Toph's like oh my dad changed my mind I can go wherever I want and like I get that these are kids like and Katara, and Sokka yeah they're young but like are they stupid like they, they have to know
1: I think they I from what I sort of Push my interpretation on is that I think that they all got in, then they're like, Oh, yeah, well, I guess we better leave before he changes his mind, aka finds out that you left without his permission and goes on a search for yeah. you. Like, that's my sort of interpretation. Like, I think they know that she sn- snuck off to join them, and they're like, Well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's not that uh, That's to- Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that seems a lot more likely. Uh, but then, Toph, before she's even able to go, wants to. uh You know, settle the score a little bit. And she's like, okay, like, uh, I'm going to teach you something right now. Aang sends him up in the trees, beating him and says, all right, now we're even. I'll take the belt back. (laughs) So Sokka obliging tosses it down and hits Toph right in the head. It's a pretty funny gag uh, that she's not able to see it because she's blind. This makes me laugh out loud.
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah. It's unfortunate. You know, Sokka finally was able to coordinate. A belt with his bag, and he has to give it back. But at least he got his last word word in, so to speak, by letting it hit off in the face. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's uh, that's that's fair. Uh, and then the last thing we see in this episode is uh, the dad, uh, the Beifong father, has gotten both the uh Jin Fu and the master teacher together, and said, "The Avatar has kidnapped my daughter, uh, and I want you to bring her back." and reveals a ton of gold coins ready to give to them. Uh, You know, if a bag is 500 gold coins, like, this is easily, like, four or 5,000. So, quite the payday.
1: Yeah, and I have questions about this, like, I get getting Master U to, like, be on your team to find Toph. But why would you get the guy who purposely kidnapped your daughter? And like, hey, <laughs> like, you know this guy is, like, sketchy as hell. Why are you going to bring him on? I guess it's like, hey, the enemy of my enemy, because he knows that uh, the, the Vince McMahon of this world wants uh, the Avatar. But yeah. I
0: don't know. Hey. The,
1: the questionable decisions all around.
0: You know, I think he's shown a track record. You know, he's been able to say, like, I've I've uh, kidnapped your daughter once. I can do it again. And while that should not work for many people, I, it works here for some reason. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that's what we're going to have to go with. But I agree. Like, even getting the boulder uh, instead of, like, the Vince McMahon type is probably better. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, but there you go. That is The Blind Bandit, one of my favorite episodes of Avatar. What do you think, Navi? What are your impressions coming off this episode?
1: Fantastic episode. Great to finally see Toph, uh, not just in like a weird vision thing, but actually seeing Toph and seeing her do her thing and saying her quips. Like Toph is my favorite of the gang, um, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So I'm super excited that and I'm happy that I was invited to talk about her. This was a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, like this is one episode that, you know, I think back on and like, I, I think I like it more that I watch it. It's like one of those where it's like, oh yeah, like Toph finally enters. It's like, it feels like you're building up to this. Uh, Victor actually wrote in, he said that like, uh, you know, when he was younger, Zuko was his favorite character and now it's Toph. I, I agree with that. Like I really used to like Zuko a lot. And now, like, when I'm watching back, like, I'm just, like, waiting for the Toph jokes. I'm waiting for, like, the funny little bits that she has. Like, I'm just excited for that. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think that that's, like, yeah, that that's, like, exactly what I'm excited for. And I think that now that we've gotten Toph, like, it's just so much more fun to have her, uh, to get to play with her character and see how she interacts with the rest of the gang. Uh, so I'm super happy to have her on. I'm also super happy that you came on. I think that this was... Uh, a great way to, you know, introduce Toph with some John Cena sexy... What was it called again? John Cena (laughs) sexy high school?
1: Cena sexy high school adventure.
0: (laughs) Adventure, yeah. One and two. One and two. Can't forget about uh, the sequel. But there you go. That is the episode. We're now going to jump into our episode rankings. Every week, we give you rankings between zero and four cabbages. You can write in with your rankings to give us the official ang in their score. I will say, uh, this week I've gotten more rankings that were above four than I ever had before. You know it's a scale from one to one, or zero to four, and people are like five, seven someone give me a ten uh People like this episode
1: it's a great episode. I don't blame them uh, I think break yeah. the scale like make sure to add on to those sevens and tens because it's still dessert.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, you know i I am a stickler for these like types of scales. like I would never rank something above like uh whatever is the equivalent of a hundred percent, but I agree. uh I definitely think that uh, yeah, that this is one of the better episodes. Do you want to uh, kick us off with your with your episode ranking?
1: Um, I think it's no surprise, considering I was invited to be on this episode and how much I've gushed about it. And even with the critiques I had with it, uh, with the story, mainly a lot of it with the Beifongs, um, it's still very much a four out of four for me, four out of four cabbages. Uh, great intro to Toph, a lot of great lines, super quotable, um, really fun fights, even though they were one-sided. Uh, it's just everything I wanted in an Avatar episode, and it delivered on every front, for me anyway.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, it's hard to introduce a new character, especially one that's going to be there for a long time. But not only do they introduce Toph, but they have like the Boulder, they have Chin Fu, they have like all of these like funny side characters and good bits. Like, this really is an episode which like sets up the rest of Avatar to do so well. And so I'm saying, you know what? I'm locking it in. This episode is entering the Avatar state at a four for me as well. Uh, the listeners, you know, it's going to be impossible. I think for the, for listeners to give it a four, just because like any one person could uh, rate it down they're giving it three point eight nine but that still brings our average to a three point nine six easily the highest rated episode that we've had thus far probably the highest one that we will have in quite a while uh, yeah. yeah it's it's uh, it's great that's uh it's pretty easy when you have a great episode
1: yeah great episode and I think season two in general is like a very good season it's my personal favorite like yeah, book, the Earth book is my favorite season from Avatar, and I think a lot of it is because it's tough. And uh, I think this episode really exemplifies like the potential that season two has.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I do think that like you know this episode comes like pretty early on in season two, and I think like there's a lot more of this uh, where it comes from. I, I think that you know Avatar does a great job of going from season one to, so like, incorporating new people, like, building the lore more. I feel like when they go to, like, bossing say, it's, like, super fun uh, arc of episodes. So, I agree. I think season two is, like, uh, just amazing TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there you go. That is our episode rankings. The next thing on our docket is the Battle of the Battle rankings. Same thing as the episode rankings, but this one is for the fights. Here we've got two. The first one is going to be Earth Rumble 6, and the second will be Tough takes down I guess everyone. uh, Yeah. Earth Rumble 7. So uh, uh, let's start with Earth Rumble 6. Earth Rumble 6 is fun. Um, I think, like, you know, it's not ultimately like the best in terms of fights. It's like got some good jokes. The boulder's funny. Uh, The actual fighting is like not all that interesting. I'm going to give it a 3.3 personally. Uh, Where are you on this one?
1: Yeah. um, I'm probably a bit more of a harsh critic when it comes to that I'll probably give it like a 2.8 2.9 I I think that yeah it was a fun like showcase of all these different wrestlers and like having the crowd in the background like Sokka being like all in on it but like it is (laughs) part part of it is like very like wrestling in the real world it's it is performative and it is sort of staged so it's not like and and not that there isn't like validity to that but there's not it's just pre-planned and you can tell they're holding back so to speak on their ability so it wasn't like top tier for me personally
0: yeah yeah i agree like i don't think that like any wrestle fight is probably the best fight of a tv show like my guess is that it's like the ones that you don't expect or like you're not like you know fully ready for i feel like that's why like the next fight that we're about to rank is like better is just because like you don't exactly know, like, the rules, it's not, like, very clear, like, oh, okay, this happens, and this happens, and, like, I don't know, you don't have, like, the set sequence of events, so it feels like you can be a lot more inventive there. Um, That being said, where would you rank the next fight that we see, which is uh, Toph takes down everyone?
1: Ooh, I do think it's at least a 3.0 for me. Um, I don't want to rank it, like, too high up, because we're gonna get fights later on down the line that really fully showcase, like, everyone's abilities and are really epic. I'm thinking, like, a lot of this stuff towards the end of Season 3. Um, yeah. So I'd probably give it, like, a 3.1, a 3.2. Uh, I, I'll do 3.1. I'd okay, say. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a better fight than the uh, than the first one. I'm at a 3.5 on this one, uh, bringing it to an average of a 3.3. I think that this fight is uh, definitely better than the first one. I feel like we have Toph, uh, like, really get to come into her own. It's really fun to see, like you know the different ways that she's fighting the only thing that we saw previously is her like absolutely wreck the boulder in one move but here we get to see a little bit more uh I really do like when we get to see from her perspective and see the like concentric circles exiting her body as she like sees other people I think that's like a cool gimmick so I'm gonna, I'm going to give it a 3. Point, uh 3.5 but yeah I think like it's a it's definitely a, one of the better fights uh that we've seen I it's not like the best fight, I will say, the best fights, I think, are Season 3, as you said. Um, but there you go. That is our Battle of the Battle rankings. Next up, we are going to go through some listener questions. As always, you can write in avatar at posho uh, I do always love reading through the listener questions. First question comes from Sarah. She asks, what would be your Avatar The Last Airbender wrestling name? And I don't want uh, a John Cena Na'Vi. Uh, I feel like <laughs> that's just too creepy. I just couldn't. I couldn't. Um, hmm. th- does anything come to mind for your uh, Atla wrestling name?
1: Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Actually, no, I'm not even a lover. i I, <laughs> I, I like sit on my ass all day. Like, I'm not. Like, I know earlier you talked about, oh, what bender would you be? Honestly, I would not be any bender I would be like the nondescript Zelda NPC character that's very or like the soccer of the world. Like, I can't handle that. Like, that's too much for me. So, like, yeah. I'd probably be on the stands booing and rooting for people. Um, so that's sort of my stance. Maybe I'll think about it. Um, but if you yeah. have one, go on in.
0: Yeah, I think I would be, like, more of an antagonist type. Like, I would be someone who's, like, pestering. I know, like, my sister, uh, like, always got annoyed with me because I would just, like, push her buttons all the time. So, I think, like, something like, uh, oh, this is going to sound so dumb, like, the the flaming antagonist or something, like, where I'd, like, be dressed <laughs> in, like, fire or something and just be, like, constantly, like, being annoying. And then I'd just get immediately wrecked because I'm, like, scared to get into a fight but I would, like, talk a big game. I, I think that's that's where I'd be.
1: Yeah, the the heel, yeah. I guess, is... Uh, is that yes. the correct... Am I using those phrases right?
0: I I believe that you are. Uh, okay. As someone who does not know what they're talking about, it sounds right to me. Uh... And, you know, either of
1: us are going to get invited to the wrestling rehab up. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's true. That's (laughs) true. Uh, Yeah. The only thing that we'd get uh, brought there for is to be the heel of the podcast. I hope that we're using that term correctly because we're going to keep using it.
1: Maybe they'll invite us on to talk about John Cena's sexy high school adventure. (laughs)
0: Oh, man. I feel like this is worse than the Dream Daddy uh, game that Kristen was talking about so long ago. Like it, is, the... it
1: is in that same vein. Like, it is a visual novel like Dream Daddy. So. Okay.
0: Uh, the, I, I'm glad I at least have, like, a very correct mental image, although it's one I would like to not have thought about. Um, yeah. <laughs> H- have you ever heard the John Cena prank call?
1: I have not.
0: It's, like, one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time. It's, like, someone's calling, uh, like, saying, like, hey, you need to, like, listen to WrestleMania 7 or whatever it is. And the woman on the other end, like, apparently hates wrestling so much and she gets so enraged uh, that at one point she's like, I've gone through the house and I've burned T-shirts. I just feel like that's, like, insane. Anyway, that's my John Cena experience. So So now it's that and uh, Sexy High School Adventure. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great fun. Um, One question, another question from Sarah is, do you think wrestling is fixed in Avatar The Last Airbender universe? Do you think that this is scripted?
1: I mean, it seemed like he was genuinely trying, but that could have just been a show. I'm not really sure, to be honest. It it didn't seem like it was scripted because they were genuinely, it seemed like the boulder was genuinely trying, but that could have just been... Fixed as well. Uh, we didn't really get the ins and outs of all that.
0: I yeah. Think. I, I think that, you know, like these people uh, have such like impressive powers that, it, like, I guess it would actually be easier to fix in a way. I was going to say harder, <laughs> but I think it might be easier actually because you're able to have like, um, I guess, like total control over what you're doing. Whereas like throwing someone's a bit harder, but like you could like have a rock come up behind them, like keep them in the ring. Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's probably fixed. Like, why would or at least by like Earth Earth Rumble ten, it will be fixed.
1: <laughs> yeah, the more the the more it goes on, the more it'll be fixed, and the more exactly. the Vince McMahon of the Avatar universe will go insane, just like the real Vince McMahon.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and then you'll have like celebrities get involved. It's gonna be a whole. It's gonna be a whole thing. It's gonna be terrible. Yeah. Uh, Dan asks, "Who is your?" Favorite Earth Rumble contestant, uh, other than the Blind Bandit, of course. I feel like that's that's too easy. Uh, do you want to do a tier list, or, or do you want to rank the Earth Rumble contestants?
1: Sure, I would be down for that.
0: So let's see. I have to say the Gecko has to be the my least favorite. Uh, you know, I just feel like there's nothing going for the Gecko. Like, yeah, how interesting can it possibly be to see, like, someone so small with, like, no personality fight? uh so i think i think that's my, my my least favorite what about you
1: um yeah probably the gecko i mean the ge- at least with the gecko like i can s- visually like know who he is like i can remember him off the top of my head whereas like someone like the gopher like i don't remember what the gopher looks like like i don't remember what the gopher was doing so i'd say the gopher is last for me but you know it's interchangeable, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're, they're definitely the lowest tier uh, because, like, yeah, the gopher, like, I guess, has, like, an eyepiece. So that's, like, kind of interesting. It's, like, more interesting than, like, just the mask. But I feel like, uh, yeah, like, going underground is just, like, a losing proposition for any wrestler. Because, like, how are you going to have the banter if you literally are underground? Like, it's just, like, why are we even watching? it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it would yeah. be, like, all muffled underneath the ground. Like, no, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I'd rather hear the, like, terrible Russian accent from the Fire Nation man, who I think is next in the list uh, if we're going, like, worst to best. I think Fire Nation man, like, it's kind of a good joke. Like, actually, hearing that it's, like, making fun of, like, the Cold War wrestlers makes me appreciate it a bit more. But mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the worst song in the entire series, for sure. Uh, do you agree that Fire Nation man's next?
1: Um... I don't know. I kind of like it. Like, I don't know. I I think in general, I I think the heels, if I'm using that correctly, we've established that we're using this correctly. Okay. Uh, The heels in general are like a lot more interesting than the faces. So I don't know. I think I would put the Fire Nation Lord guy like pretty high up on the tier list just because of how memorable he is. He has like a shtick and he sticks with it. Um, He doesn't do any earth bending. So I'd say he's pretty high up there for me.
0: So so between, so we have Fire Nation Guy, Hippo, Chin Fu, and The Boulder. Who Who's next for you then?
1: Um, I mean, Chin Fu, the Vince McMahon. I yeah. mean, he's like powerful, but he's not like technically a wrestler. So okay, yeah. he's just like overseeing the whole thing. So I guess he's I, next on
0: the list. Yeah, I still think that he's. Uh, I would rather have him than uh, the the first two. The Go from the Gecko <laughs> with like nothing going for him. So yeah, I guess we can say that Vince McMahon is is uh, is in the bottom. I think next. Uh, I I kind of like the hippo. I think I think so. The Boulder's my favorite. Uh, I, I think I, I like I love the talking in the third person. Although at one point he actually says like I saw them, which like seems weird. Like he kind of breaks character when he was yeah, talking about. Yeah, he's like talking about like, oh, like I didn't even see like, uh, him throw a blow at the blind bandit when he's like talking to Chin Fu. So that, that wasn't great, but I feel like the boulder's my favorite. Then I'd probably say, uh, I guess, yeah, I'd like the heel. I'll, I'll go boulder and then fire nation man, and then hippo. Is that, is that a fair ranking?
1: Yeah, that's my ranking as well. So. All right. Though I you do go. like that the hippo has, like, no teeth. I wonder if that, <laughs> like, his dental insurance is covered being part of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, m- maybe after they got the 500 gold pieces from the ransom, then uh, potentially potentially dental got get, got covered from then on. Um, yeah. Do you think that uh, being from Canada makes you like the uh, no teeth more? Uh, you know, like, hockey players don't have teeth, right? Is, isn't that, like, the, the trope?
1: Uh, yeah, generally speaking. I mean, the, the one that I don't follow sports, if you can't tell. Uh, I mean, yeah. the one that comes top of mind is Dane from bb Oh, yeah. Seven. Like, he's like the one that's top of mind for me. So, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I like yeah. Dane. He's a good player. So. Yeah.
0: Anthony was better. Anthony's my favorite. <laughs> I love Anthony. I love Anthony so much. But- <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we're not here to talk about Big Brother Canada Candace This That is going to be a much longer podcast. Uh, Chris wrote in and asked, is Toph the first avatar character that gets a last name? So we hear Toph Beifong. Uh, well, I think we are forgetting about Pips and Pop. Ah, dang it. Pips and Papa. I can't do it. Pips and Papalopagus. The, yeah. uh, yeah, there we go. You have to really get like momentum to get it all out. Um, that's the uh, that's the person that Aang says that he has as he's trying to enter Omashu the first time. Do you know are there other uh, Avatar characters that have um, that have last names?
1: Not that comes to mind in like this particular series. I remember yeah. in Korra there are characters that do have surnames, but not any off the top of my head. That can yeah, be it seems. Crowd.
0: It seems like a rich person thing. Like in Korra, the same thing happens where like the richest family is the one who has the last name. So it it must just like cost a few extra gold coins to get a last name and they're, they're willing to spend it on the last name and not the guards, I guess. uh, (laughs) There you go. Uh, this actually leads into the next question. Maria asks, uh, I'm not sure how much 500 gold pieces is actually worth, but considering how absurdly rich the Beifungs are and how overprotective they are of their daughter, Surely Chin-Fu and the Boulder could have asked for more money than that, right? Also, really weird move to enlist a man who kidnapped your daughter to help save her from being kidnapped, other than the fact that he was successful about it before. Why are they trusting that guy?
1: Thank Uh, you. I agree.
0: (laughs) Great questions all around. Do you think that... So we've already said Chin-Fu and the Boulder are terrible like mob bosses. How many gold coins do you think they left on the table by not negotiating?
1: Oh, so many. So many gold pieces. Like, go for the highest amount. Like, who cares? Oh, he's going to negotiate down. It's still going to be a lot more than five hundred gold pieces.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I really feel like, uh, you know, the Vince McMahon type should stay to the the wrestling uh, announcing and just not do anything else.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Yeah, at least like another thousand gold pieces you could have gotten for sure. So. Terrible idea. And then, yeah, as we talked about before, like, it is a little odd to pick the man who kidnapped your daughter to save her from being kidnapped, but hey, what can you do? Not a lot of options. Um, Rudy asked, what is the Beifong family source of wealth? Do they own the rights to all the cabbage plots in the whole Earth Kingdom? Uh, What are your thoughts on that one, Navi?
1: I mean, I do like your theory that they're secretly involved in, like, shady shit in the earth kingdom like they're secretly like funding like fire nation people or something i don't know i think that's sort of a fair assessment or they just inherited a whole ton of wealth so like it just been in their family for generations like that's the only other thing that pops up to my mind
0: yeah, they sure do seem like old money. Uh, they do not seem like they like have the the frills of, of new money for sure. Like they they seem like they just like you know inherited that plot of land and a ton of money. I do like the idea that they just like have every single cabbage plot and all of the land, and <laughs> they're just like they're just like sending poor people out to like you know go try to sell some cabbages. It's like a multi level marketing scheme of cabbage. Uh,
1: uh, as if we needed more reasons to hate the Bay <laughs>
0: Exactly. The poor cabbage guy goes through so much stuff just to, uh, yeah, just to, just to like, I don't know, make the baifongs richer. Um, but there you go. That is our, uh, that is our, uh, listener feedback. Actually, Lydia did write in while we were podcasting and let me read what she wrote. Um, she said, I'm, I've not read this, so let's hope that it, uh, is coherent. Um, I would like to inquire about the dinner scene. For two people who refuse to let their daughter learn earthbending, Top's parents are remarkably unfazed by someone dumping hot soup on her. And why, why does Aang get hit in the face with a bowl of food and push the bowl on top of his head? How is that instinctual? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So why, why does, why is the Beifong family okay with hot soup going on Top's face?
1: Yeah, especially considering that earlier they're like, "Oh, blow on her tea; it's still too hot for her," and yet they don't care about that. They were just like, "Okay, dessert time." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that that's uh
0: that is an excellent point. You know, they're totally fine with hot soup, but not tea. Um, yeah, I I see no rationale for that one. That one's a stumper. Uh, no answer for you there. But there you go. That is our listener feedback. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, I do really appreciate it. And also, you can leave us a five-star review. You can go and just smash those five stars wherever you get this podcast. We really do appreciate it. The last thing that we have for you this week is our T Quartet And since we are joined by special guest Fifth Wheel Navi, we are going to be doing uh, something special um, about the Phineas and Ferb episodes based on the podcast that she's doing with the What You Do In podcast. Great one. So check that one out. We will be breaking down Phineas and Ferb characters into the major four bending types. Navi, who do you have for us this week?
1: So I have Phineas. I have Ferb. I have Candace, And I have Perry.
0: Perry the Platypus, I love it. Perry uh, is voiced by uh, Dee Bradley Baker, who's uh, does the animal stuff in uh, mm-hmm. Avatar. So, you know, obviously not a ton of animals this week because Momo wasn't invited to the dinner table, but a nice crossover there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I, I like Phineas and Ferb. Uh, it was the one show that my sister and I agreed on. So we did watch it like a whole lot, uh, because, you know, we'd be fighting. I'd want to watch one thing. She'd want to watch another and we'd agree on Phineas and Ferb, but I'm going to let you take it, uh, from here and, uh, tell us where they go. I will, uh, chime in, um, as we go. So where, who's the, who's the most obvious? I have an inkling, but where do you want to start?
1: Um, well, why don't we start off with the uh, titular, or one of the titular characters, uh, Phineas? Um, All right. and I've actually had a pretty tough time, uh, trying to sort them I guess into the bending types maybe because like I overthink it I'm like well you know on the surface they're this one but actually they're this
0: one whoa um, <laughs> you're going second level for this wow I <laughs>
1: yeah but I ended up yeah. sticking with my gut so uh, I have Phineas as the airbender because I think that he does sort of uh exemplify that sort of carefree but still intelligent um go with the flow innovation I think is a key word here for me and when I think of Aang I think like yeah he's fun loving and fun but he also has like innovative ways of fighting and I think Phineas sort of fits that spirit but what did you think though?
0: Yeah, no, I do. I definitely think that he's the inventive one. I think he's like the one thinking outside the box, not necessarily doing what's normal. You know, I mean, all of the crazy things they get up to, like, has to be, uh, like, someone in that group has to be the airbender or else, like, you're not coming up with these crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, uh, Phineas is the airbender. I, I will say, like, he also kind of seems like he could be a waterbender. That's the other one that I, uh, was, like, going back and forth on just cause I do think that he has, like, lots of uh like different ideas he really can fit in anywhere and i felt like maybe maybe uh he could be the waterbender but i ultimately i was uh i had settled on uh airbender so i'm uh Mm -hmm. happy happy to uh agree there uh do you want to go to ferb next the other uh titular character he's got to be the hardest one right
1: yeah he was the hardest one i think i ultimately ended up with earthbender because he seems the most rounded out of all the characters yeah
0: yeah i mean definitely in terms of like head shape he's uh definitely like very rounded but in in terms of like personality uh i think i agree as well uh it is really hard when you have someone who's like so quiet and so like i guess analytical or like in their head almost it's like yeah, it's hard to say exactly, but I, I agree like I see him as the earthbender.
1: Yeah, plus like you know, he is more of like a doer, um, you know, he's just like does as he's told. He sort of is like the backbone to like Phineas's like ideas, like Yeah. the, yeah. the ideas guy and Ferb sort of gets it done so to speak. So that's why I'll, Plus it's kind of cool like, you know, the earth and the air like two sort of polar opposites so to speak. So that's sort of my reasoning on that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. He's definitely the the reliable one who's gonna like take the uh, the absurd ideas and like put them in motion. So I agree with you there. Uh, who who do you have next for us?
1: Next up, I have Candace, and honestly, okay. Candace was like the one that was most difficult for me. I was going between fire and waterbender. Um, so I can really okay. hear what you think.
0: I really, I thought she was a firebender here. Uh, you know, she. She's like very passionate. She like what, things that she loves. She loves things that she hates. She abhors. Like it does seem like she's the type of person that is like not going to be middling. Like she either is like all for something or all against something. Uh, and I feel like she's just like one second away from erupting at any point. Uh, <laughs> and i <laughs> I feel like I feel like that is like maybe leaning towards a firebender for me
1: yeah I, I agree ultimately i think firebender is the right thing i know it's you talk you and zach talk about oh you know like the waterbender is ultimately like typically goes to like the women in the, of the group um so that's part of the reason why i was kind of considering firebender but i can also see water too in terms of like you know emotionally she she is like i guess a different sort of waterbender in the sense that her, like, her emotions are sort of tumultuous which makes sense yeah. in- like a teenager um, and, but yeah I can see that because I don't see her being as adaptable she's very keen on busting her brothers um, so yeah I think Firebender is ultimately the right choice here for Candace
0: yeah yeah I agree and I also think that it leaves uh, a semi-aquatic a four-legged mammal to be the waterbender and I'm, I'm all there for that so uh, I do think that uh, you know having Perry as a waterbender makes sense if nothing else just because of the the theme song he's got uh, but but why else? Why, other than the catchiest song ever, uh, why would Perry be the waterbender?
1: Well, he's very adaptable, right? And uh, water is considered, like, you know, the uh, the element of change, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, he's able to, like, innovate, like, in the ways that he's able to get out of the situations with Doofenshmirtz. Um, uh, he is a very innovative fighter. Uh, he just is able to, like, get everything done and Do it in an efficient way and is able to clean up without having to, you know, accidentally out his (laughs) identity as like a a secret agent. So,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're talking about like ability to change, like you're going from like secret agent to just like unassuming pet. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you there. So uh there you go that would be our T quartet for Phineas and Ferb definitely check out the What You Do in Pod uh, but as a recap we have Candace as the fire bender uh Ferb as the earth bender Phineas as the air and Perry as the water bender It's it's so weird like after I do this like I literally just talked about it a minute ago but just like <laughs> trying to get all four of them right is really hard uh yeah. every time but
1: I'm going to get a text from Felipe and he will be like, no, these are wrong. You got them all wrong. You're <laughs> off the podcast now. I'm like,
0: oh, oh man. Oh, <laughs> that would be terrible. Well, actually next week, uh, Felipe could correct you on this podcast because Felipe will be joining us next week for the episode Zuko alone. So maybe we'll hear, uh, hear the reasons why we were wrong today, but you know, I will defend your honor. Uh, and we will, we will make sure that you, uh, you get your, Due respect on that pod. Get get make sure that you uh yeah don't get slandered for your takes here. I think yeah. they're right.
1: I appreciate you for defending my Quattro Bendiero takes.
0: <laughs> yeah, old segment name. Wow, that was uh <laughs> th- yeah that was that was probably the most fun one to call it. Zach was not a fan of Quattro Bendiero. I, I was but... a huge
1: fan of Quattro Bendiero. I was upset when you <laughs> changed it to every episode.
0: Alright, well, <clears throat> retroactively we can say that this week it was a Quattro Bendiero, and we'll be back next week with the T Cortex.
1: Actually, I think Zaxxer's like, well, actually, I think that Quattro Bendiero <laughs> is a great uh, second <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Yeah. See, I I can't tell the difference. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Uh, You know, perfect. Navi, thank you so much for coming on. You came with the impressions. You came with the amazing John Cena story that I had no idea we were getting into uh, and a bunch of other great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, It really was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. um yep next week we will be back uh back in the game with Felipe and Zach talking Zuko alone so get excited for that uh but until then Navi where can people check you out
1: you can find me on Twitter I'm at because Navi that's hold on I can spell it c-a-u-s-e-i-m-n-a-v-i you can find me there I don't know I'm standing beside a trophy I don't know. You can find me there. (laughs) What's the
0: trophy for?
1: Uh, It was the Grey Cup. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers Mm. finally won the Grey Cup for Canadian football back in 2019 after like 30 years. So everyone was like super hyped and I did not care. But I took a picture (laughs) beside it anyway because I'm like, well, this would be a fun momentum because it'll probably be another 30 years before they win again. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, it might be. It might be uh infinite time if uh, you know, it, the the league could go away and you could be the last person to stand next to a trophy with the Winnipeg Bombers? Is that it?
1: Blue Bombers. Yeah. Blue Bombers. Them. Okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Let's yeah. see, I'm just like a natural uh I'm a natural Winnipegian. Winnipegger?
1: Winni-
0: Winnipegger. <laughs> Is that it? Winnipegger?
1: Yeah, we say Winnipegger.
0: Okay. Uh Yeah, um, uh hmm.
1: Okay, Uh, where else
0: can people uh, find you?
1: Yeah, Yeah. and you can also uh, check out the What You Do In, a Phineas and Ferb rewatch podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at What You Do In Pod. You can find our podcast on Anchor, and you can email us at What You Do In Pod at gmail.com. And also, uh, if I haven't already sold you on it, go check out John Cena's Sexy High School Adventure. It's free to play on your browser. Um, search it up on Google. You'll have a great time romancing all the John Cena's and then going back into the John Cena timeline to save it. Um, and yeah, those are my plugs.
0: All right. Well, there you go. I cannot wait to see our mentions as people fill them with, uh, John Cena sexy high school adventure. I, I must be getting the name mixed up, but what, what is it one more time?
1: John Cena's Sexy High School Adventure. There if you're go, not going to play the game, at least check out the screenshots. They are legendary. I'm telling you.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Until you uh, check those out uh, or play through that game, you can find me at JK Redman. Uh Zach is at ZachMohammed32. Uh, and what else? Oh, yeah. You can tweet us at Pocho Recaps or send us feedback, avatar at Poshorecaps.com. There you go. That's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much again to Navi for coming on the pod. Until next time, see ya.
1: Bye!